We're so glad that you're here again to uh, meet with us for our Sunday School lesson. And I know it's at an odd time and a lot different situation than uh, we're used to, but the truth is still the same. And we finally made it through April. I know that April seemed like it had about 100 days in it, but we're in May now, and this is a Sunday School lesson for May the 3rd. And that date always kind of uh, gets my attention because I think about that big tornado that came through on May the 3rd, what was that, 1999? And uh, I think about the goodness of God to see us through things like that and uh, how long ago that that has been. And then I think about getting through April and the quarantine and all of that. We're starting to let up just a little bit. And it's just a reminder that time always passes, that situations always, well, they change. We're not stuck in them forever. I always think about uh, Psalm 23, that the Lord leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't leave us there. And somebody else said in a joke that their favorite verse of Scripture is, and it came to pass. And that is true. There are a lot of things we're just kind of glad to get them over and we're glad to get through. Well, we're in the month of May now, and only the Lord knows what that holds for us. But we'll take steps, and uh, we're glad to be able to take steps to kind of open things back up. And uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to know that God is in control and that the shepherd is leading us where he wants us to be. He's leading us to green pastures, right? And sometimes in order to get to the green pastures, you have to go through some deserts and things like that. And so uh, we're taking steps and we're trusting that uh, the Lord is leading us. And so as we begin the month of May, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, a few months ago, I was listening to somebody on the radio and they talked about some worldviews that are a threat to Christianity. And I just happened to jot those down and then do some study on them. And so we'll take the next seven weeks and we will uh, talk about some of these worldviews because some of them may seem kind of, uh, you know, outdated or they may seem uh, like they're irrelevant. And yet the truth of the matter is they're still around. In fact, the first one we're going to talk about is something that uh, most of you have heard about, but you probably don't know much, if anything, about it. And that is the worldview of Gnosticism. Now, the New Testament is written in the context of Gnosticism. The Gnostics had kind of uh, invaded the church. And when you believe in something like Gnosticism, uh, it changes everything. Creation, the nature of man, the nature of the earth and the universe. It changes the gospel. It changes what we think about the Bible, all of that. And so this is an attack that comes against what God has clearly made known. And it was really, really a threat in the early church. Gnostics would believe things like, well, there's a God, and this God was kind of you know, self-contained, and then there was something that happened to him, and nobody knows what it was, but this self-contained God, as if he were in a capsule, it broke. And then this God substance began to spill out. And there's this long line, this long chain, this long ladder, maybe we might say, uh, that came out of him. And the further away from God you are in all of this, uh, the more material that you are. So, for example, a rock would maybe be at the bottom of the scale because there's nothing but material in him. Humans would be somewhere maybe in the middle because we have physical bodies, 
but we also have thoughts and we have speech and we have spirit, that type of thing. And then as you move up the scale closer to where God broke out, uh, you might have angels, some type of spirit, and you have word and thought, that kind of thing. And so the idea is there's this long, long ladder, and wherever you are on that, your goal is to try to climb the ladder to get back to God. Okay, well, there's all kinds of things that are wrong with that, right? I mean, it goes against what the Bible tells us about creation. And it also is pantheistic. I mean, there's a little bit of God in everything. Now, if you're a rock, you have very little God. But if you're a human, where you're kind of a combination of, of body and soul and spirit, that type of thing, you're a little closer. If you're an angel, you're a whole lot closer. And then if you're just a word, a thought, or a concept, you're really close to God. Weird, isn't it? Very weird to us. But that had invaded the early church, and we're not going to talk a whole lot about that so much as we are going to think about the concept that was behind it. What happened? Well, you had people like the Apostle Paul that was going, he was going to the uh, different churches and going around the world, and he was telling people, this is who God is, and this is what His law is, and you and I have broken that law, and because of that, we're sinners, and because we're sinners, there's a wage to that sin, and that is death, and death separates us from God in uh, places of eternal punishment uh, like hell. And there's only one way to get back, and it's not by climbing the ladder from the material to the spiritual. It is by trusting in uh, Jesus Christ, the God-man who lived a perfect life and died on the cross to bear the wrath of God and pay for our sins so that through His resurrection, God could declare those of us who put our faith in Jesus as not guilty and be brought into His family to be redeemed, and you know that story. Now, the Gnostics would say, no, 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 there's nothing that could be further from the truth because that concept that God is everything and everything is God to some degree violates what the Word of God says and it violates creation, which leads them then to say, as we mentioned earlier, that anything that goes from spiritual to material is far from God, which means that their concept of God becoming man would mean that God is becoming what? Sinful. And so the whole gospel is messed up by everything that they would believe. And there were other things that spilled out of that as well. They would also teach people in the churches that uh, because your material body is nothing but evil, don't even try to restrain it. Just think lofty thoughts and noble thoughts and philosophical, philosophical thoughts. I can't say that word. And don't worry about the flesh. Let the flesh do whatever it wants to do. Be lazy, be gluttonous, be immoral, whatever it wants to do because it doesn't really matter. And then think about this. Could God have become man? No, that's ridiculous. And they would go completely away from the gospel. You can see how that would cause controversy. And uh, what was happening in the churches is it was bringing a tremendous amount of confusion. And that's why weird things to us, anyway, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And any Gnostic who read that would nod his head in agreement. 
now because word has nothing material in it at all. And so the word is God and God is the word because they believed in a pantheistic outlook and all of that. And they probably would have nodded and said, hmm, we agree with that. Good, good words here. But then when John would say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, now they have a problem with the whole thing. And so John and the Apostle Paul and uh, books like Colossians and others, they were really attacking this idea of Gnosticism. Now, you'll notice that whenever they would attack this, they would make references to it, but they didn't try to explain it because it's so weird and out there. Uh, what they would do is tell the truth. And in telling the truth, they always brought us back to the revelation of God. Now here's the bottom line on all of this. Gnosticism denies the scripture and the revelation of God. It, it always kind of whispers, yeah, I know you know the Bible and I know you know about God and you know about Jesus, but you don't know the untold story, but I do. And it would exalt certain people to kind of guru status, we might say that I know something you don't know and you need to listen to me. And it was this mystical, it was this um, uh, kind of, a, I've got a special pipeline to God that you don't have. And all you've got, poor little thing, all you've got is your Bible. But boy, I've really got something. And there's a lot of occult things that are in that. There's a whole lot of new age things that are in that. And then even a lot of the cults that have come along came the same way. This idea of I've got the hidden knowledge that you can't possibly have because you've only got your Bible. You see where this all comes from and you see where it all leads? And so when we think about Gnosticism, just kind of a, a definition of it, not as a religion but as a worldview, it's the rejection of God's Word as not sufficient for us to know our true purpose for life uh, to have its ultimate meaning. It's the seeking of extra or special knowledge elsewhere other than God himself. Now they will always say they got it from God, but if it doesn't come from the Bible, then it's not from God. And so we have to always remember the Bible is the final and it is the authoritative revelation of God. How do I know what God said? I read the Bible. How do I know if something is good or bad, right or wrong, wise or foolish? I compare it to the scripture. It's the measuring stick for everything that we think, everything that we believe. It is, as Jude said, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. So when we think about what was going on here, we have to go back to the Garden of Eden. And I would invite you to take your Bible and go back to Genesis chapter 3. And in verse 1 it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, the serpent, said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Um, that's interesting. God never said you shouldn't touch it, and he didn't say lest you die. He said you will surely die. We'll talk about something uh, to do with that later on. Verse number four. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be opened. Kind of sounds like what we've been talking about. And you will be like God. Well, everybody wants that, don't they? No, knowing, there's that word, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So it's interesting that, yeah, there was something that they uh, knew after they ate the fruit and after they sinned, but it wasn't a pleasant knowledge. It wasn't a good knowledge. It wasn't a helpful knowledge. In fact, it took them away from the Lord. It caused them to have a, a fear, not the right kind of fear, in other words, for reverence, but it came to be the um, kind of fear that caused them to hide from God instead of run to the Lord. They had always known, always known fellowship from Him, uh, with Him, and now they were seeking to hide from Him. And so uh, that's the way it always goes whenever you go down this direction because the first thing we'll talk about, notice that this all started with Lucifer. This didn't start with man. This didn't start with... Uh, something else that happened or a discovery of gold plates or anything like that. This all started with the serpent, with Lucifer. And he's the one that uh, he first comes to Eve and he says, has God said? And it always starts with a question about the scripture. Can you really trust the word of God? Can you really trust what God has said? Did he really say that? Is that the way that it really works? And then you notice that he moves on down to say, oh, you're not going to die. There's an outright denial of the word of God. So first you start with questioning it. Then it comes to an outright denial. And then the next thing he says, don't worry about it because I know something that you don't know and something that God didn't tell you. Listen to me instead of listening to him because in the day you eat thereof, you're going to be like God. And there's the deal. God is holding you back because He doesn't want you to experience everything. He doesn't want you to be what you could really be, meet your full potential in being like God. He's holding back on you. And there are some things that you don't know. And if you will just eat, if you will just follow me, I'm going to open your eyes to these things that are now hidden from you. Did you know the word occult means hidden? And so Satan says, there are some things now that you don't know, but I'm going to reveal them to you if you will just trust me and if you will just follow my way. And so you think about how he promises benefits and blessings and power and knowledge and all of these kind of things because he says that God is not really, really in your corner. He's not really benefiting you. He's only benefiting himself. I have the way to liberty. I have the way to, as they say in the New Age movement, enlightenment. And uh, if you'll just follow me, then you will get all of this. Notice, secondly, that it is actually an attack on the Word of God. Everything that you find that goes on in this world will come back to, eventually, an attack on the truthfulness, or the veracity, theologians say, of God's Word. Can God's word be trusted is really the bottom line. 
Because if you don't trust the Word of God, then everything is open to you. You'll explore all kinds of things. You'll run down all kinds of roads. And they lead to dead ends. They lead to destruction because there is a way that seems right to man. I mean, it feels right. It looks right. And everybody's telling you it's right. But the end are the ways of destruction. And we watch people that are literally destroying themselves because... Well, in the book of Romans, it says, professing to be wise, they become fools. And so in man's wisdom, we run down all kinds of roads and alleys, thinking that this is the way we finally found it. This is liberation. And all it does is lead to more and more heartache, bondage, and destruction, of course. Well, the attack on the Word of God is nothing new because, again, as we've already seen, it started in the Garden of Eden, <coughs> pardon me, and it started when the serpent began to question what God really said. Now, I want you to notice that Eve's response is something less than satisfying. You know, the Bible calls itself the sword of the Spirit. Well, Eve's sword was a little rusty and a little dull, if she even had it, because she said that uh, God has said, that we can't eat from this tree in the midst of the garden, nor touch it. Now, folks, God never said she couldn't touch it. Now, maybe Adam said that. Maybe that was just her thought. If it's not good to eat from it, then it'd be better not to touch it. And so she really was putting her safety in the uh, extra word she was adding in there, not in the truth of what God actually said. I mean, even in her own mind, there was already the idea that what God said is not quite good enough. We've got to add to it. That's legalism, and we'll talk about that at another time. And notice that she even added that thing, lest you die. Now, the, the phrase, lest you die, it, it implies that, well, there's a good possibility that you might die. Okay? I might say this, I don't want to get the coronavirus lest I die. Now, there's over a 90-some percent chance that if I get it, I won't die. But there's also a little bit of a chance that I might die, lest I die. You see what happened there? It's as if Eve is saying, you know, if I were to eat of that fruit, there's a good chance I might die. I don't know that she knew what death was. I don't know that she or Adam, either one, really understood that, being in the Garden of Eden. But God had said, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. So both on the side of Lucifer and Eve in cooperation with that, both kind of had some problems with what God actually said. And for you and for me, we've got to settle the issue, and the issue is this. Is the Bible true? Is it God's word? Or is it just kind of God's word? Does it just contain some concepts or to sort of kind of like what God might have said if we really could understand it? Uh, some people believe that the Bible as a, a, a whole volume of 66 books, it contains the Word of God, but it's not actually the Word of God. That there are spots in the Word of God that are really, really good and inspired. And of course, they are the ones who have been inspired to find those spots. We used to call that in school the Dalmatian theory. God's Word is inspired in spots and then the exaltation of humans, and I have been inspired to spot the spots. 
Now in this, what you find is a devaluation of God, a devaluation of His Word, and then an exaltation of humans, an exaltation of certain humans who have this special insight and special knowledge to tell you what is really being said because you could never find it on your own and God doesn't intend to reveal it to you. And so when you have that, what do you have? All kinds of deviation from truth and all kinds of people that are leading you and others astray if you're not careful. But if you go back to the Word of God, you find out who God is, you find out who man is, you find out what redemption is, and you find out uh, about the grace of God, and God is glorified, and sinners are redeemed, and all of that is made very, very clear throughout the Scripture. And so God has done a great thing by giving us His Word and preserving His Word, and so we follow uh, the Word of God. And so anytime you find an attack on the Word of God, it's always kind of with the idea that I know more and there's something that has been hidden from you. Joseph Smith, for example, was praying and he uh, was asking God, what church should I join? And then this angel came to him and said, don't join any of them, there's something new. And so he found these golden plates, translated them, they became the Book of Mormon, and they have another uh, set of books as well that uh, they believe in addition to the Bible. But uh, all of that is with the idea of, well, here's your Bible, and that's good but it's never enough. There's always more. There's always something else that someone has to find. Now you can't verify it and you don't really know what they were thinking, whether it was just a complete scam or whether they were deceived uh, you know, by a fallen angel instead of a holy angel or those kind of things. But it always comes back to this. The Word of God either is a lie or maybe it's good, but it's not quite enough. And there's always somebody that knows a little bit more that they're willing to share with you. You see what I'm saying there? It's this idea of knowledge. The root word in Gnosticism is G-N-O-S-I-S. -S. It's the Greek word gnosis, and it's the word for knowledge. And the Gnostics basically were saying that I know something you don't know and you need to know what I have to say and they were leading people astray. And again, that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, thirdly, notice that this exalts humanity. Uh, Satan says to her, you will be like God. You will be like God. He won't be holy. He won't be separate. He won't be all-powerful or any of those kind of things. You will ascend. And there's always this idea of being where you are and then ascending up to where God is. And it's always by human achievement. It's always outside of the grace and the favor of God. It's through the idea you can do something to attain this. Now, isn't that interesting that Satan said, if you eat, you're going to have gnosis, knowledge that you don't have, and you also will be like God. Well, that's interesting because when you read the Old Testament, you find out that Lucifer himself had tried that, and it didn't work so well, did it? He said, I will ascend to the throne of the Most High, and it caused him and a third of the angels to be cast out of heaven. So he knows that this doesn't work, 
And he knows that he is lying, but remember, he's a liar and the father of lies. And every religion outside of biblical Christianity is always man's attempt to try to climb the ladder to get to God in some way. We're getting better and better and better and better every day by our own human effort. Christianity, on the other hand, is God coming down to man, coming down to redeem sinners through his own death, through his own blood, through his own righteousness, and redeeming us as undeserving sinners, and then he brings us up through grace to him. But he is always the exalted one. No matter how high we go, God is always higher. And even when we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ, even when we are exalted to be part of the family of God, we are still, the Bible says, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are still there to worship him, to cast our crowns at his feet, to sing his praises and to honor him. He is always the exalted one. But the devil says, hey, you can sit on the throne and you can be like him. You can be an equal with God. You can be even perhaps superior to God and you can do your own thing and have things your own way. You will know good and evil. You won't have to depend upon God to tell you. You don't need a lot of thou shalt nots. Just do whatever you feel. Do whatever it is that you want to do because you will be a, a free agent in all of these. And number four, notice this, that it's always unverifiable. You know, uh, one of the things that we strive to do at Graceway is to equip the saints for works of ministry, and we do that by the preaching of the Word of God. Because we want you to be able to discern and evaluate everything, to know whether it's good or bad, wise or foolish, right or wrong, and not just to go by what your gut tells you, because that can be dead wrong. We've all made those mistakes. We don't want you just to, some people say, follow your heart because the Bible says you and I have heart trouble. And the heart trouble we have is what Jeremiah says, that our heart is deceitful and it's desperately wicked above all things. In other words, your own heart will deceive you, which is why the Bible tells us on several occasions that we have to be careful about self-deception. You lie to yourself more effectively than anyone else can ever lie to you. And I do the same thing. That's a problem that we have. And so we have to seek for truth that is outside of us, not within us, outside of us. And where is that that we go? Well, we go to the Word of God. Jesus said in John 17 in his high priestly prayer, praying for his disciples and those who would follow him, he said, sanctify them by your truth. And then he answers the question, what is truth? He says, thy word is truth. And so we go to this objective source, the word of God that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, this word that guides us into truth, this trustworthy word, and we find out who we really are. It's like looking in a mirror. You know, you would never look in a mirror and see a smudge on your face and then try to use the mirror to clean your face. That's not its purpose. It's just to reveal what's wrong with you. But through the grace of God and through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I can actually be cleansed of our sins, have a new nature, and to get to know God. Talk about knowing something that is worth knowing. I mean, this is where it really is. But when the devil speaks, they always go into something of, here's what I think, here's what God told me, here's what an angel said, here's what a spirit said. 
uh, something like that, and you don't know whether that happened or not. You have no source to go to. You have no way of evaluating all of that. You just follow, and it's the blind leading the blind. It's like sheep being led to the slaughter. And uh, this is why the Bible has been written and preserved for us so that we can take everything that we might think or something that someone else might tell us. If I were to stand before you one day and say, God told me in a dream that this and this and this must happen, how do you evaluate that? Because number one, you don't know if I even had the dream or not. That could be a complete fabrication. Number two, you don't know the source of the dream. It might have been demonic and not from the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, you don't know that I am accurately telling you what the dream said. I could be leaving some parts out. I may have forgotten some things. It may be innocent, but I'm still telling you something that's wrong. So what do we do? We do what it says in the book of Isaiah. We run to the law and we run to the prophets. In other words, we run to the Word of God. And so when you think about these things, think about this. Whenever I preach to you, I preach to you out of the Bible and I preach to you where you can go back and look chapter and verse and you can compare it with your own Bible with things that I've said. You can compare it to what you read and determine whether I'm telling you the truth or not. And I hope over these years you have figured out that there may be times I may be wrong and my understanding may not be where it ought to be because we're all growing and learning. But the intent is always to get you to learn for yourself what God has to say. See the difference? The enemy will lead you into something that is just kind of a fog and kind of a mist with maybe a little bit of light shining through at the other end and it's a deceptive thing. God will lead you clearly through His Word so that you can stand upon the inerrant, infallible, eternal, all-sufficient Word of God. And so we don't proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Christ. We proclaim His gospel. We teach you His Word, and we want you to know the Word. We don't chain it up. We don't keep it hidden from you. We want to expose it. That's what exposition is, exposing the truth of the Word of God so that you, as an individual believer, can know everything that you need to know. And so the enemy says, trust me, I know something you don't know and that God isn't telling you. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you new. And Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. In fact, notice here how even Lucifer's strategy has not changed since the beginning. This is still what he is doing. Has God said, is that really true? And then as you start exploring that, he goes, no, it's not true. He didn't say that. But follow me and I'll show you something and enlighten you and let you experience things you would never experience if you just simply left it up to God. And so Gnosticism has died out as a religion, but Satan's strategy and the worldview of it hasn't changed a bit. It's alive and well in the New Age movement, in the Word of Faith movement. There's a lot of this and in the uh, cults. And I want to close here by saying uh, something that a black preacher, Vadi Bakum, said that is just so true. And uh, listen carefully. He says, quote, God told me will never replace, quote, the Bible says, unquote. And whenever you find anybody, whether it's me or anyone else, saying God told me and this is 
something that you don't know and you can't find it in the Bible, run, 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 run. Because in that, you ought to be hearing the hiss of the serpent. So that's the first worldview, alive and well, and that's the attack upon the Word of God and the idea that there is something out there that's hidden, and if you will follow me, I will give you what you need to know. Well, we see that in almost everything that we face today. So that's one. We'll be looking at some others in the weeks to come. And I pray that the Lord will bless you, and I pray that you will grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and thank you for tuning in for this.